There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hello there, friends, and I would presume some lovers, I'm not sure. My name is Adam Cleary, and welcome back to Trek Culture's Dolphin series, so-called because we once found out there was dolphins on the Enterprise D and lost our damn minds. We're not here to talk about any of the Enterprises, though. For once, we're actually here to talk about the USS Discovery. Starfleet's answer to... Well, questions that nobody had ever actually asked, but once they'd answered them, we were kind of like, oh yeah, that is quite interesting. <laughs> Just before we start, we should probably reveal the biggest secret of all, and that is that I was never actually at home locked in my flat. No, no, that was all just that was all just a big old ruse. I was actually here in the what culture holodeck the entire time. <laughs> Now, interesting story, Discovery was initially pitched as a TV series by Brian Fuller to CBS as Star Trek's answer to American Horror Stories, which would basically see every single season a new crew with a new story and a new horrifying thing happening in space with it jumping all over the timeline and continuity and things like that. And CBS went, oh yeah, that's really... It's a really good idea, yeah, but how about we do that, except none of it, and we just call the ship Discovery. Does that work? And I mean, it kind of did, because despite the show's detractors, it's actually been pretty interesting. Season 1 was a fascinating look at the Klingon war with all the jumping around and alternate universe stuff, and then we had the big MacGuffin of control and all the Red Angel stuff with Spock, and then Season 3, <gasps> what about that ending, eh? I'm only kidding, we're actually recording this halfway through the season, and in case you're wondering, my theory is that the burn is short for Burnham. Let's see how that goes. Anyway though, you know the drill by now, with all the different developmental ideas and all the different production houses getting involved and all the different concepts here, there and everywhere, that leaves a lot of unexplored room in the real life history of this starship that we have rolled up our sleeve for, dipped our hands in the KY jelly of content, and then gone rooting around it with back passage for anything that you might find interesting interesting and somehow somehow it's free anyway my name is adam cleary and these are 10 secrets of the uss discovery you need to know number 10 crossfield class i always forget about this now but we didn't actually see the uss discovery until like three episodes in to the first season which was kind of weird anyway when we were introduced to it it was the most advanced sleekest sexiest nicest weirdly wrong uniformed ship in the fleet the cross Field class. Just in case you're interested, and I know that you are, the name is an homage to the American test pilot of the X-15 rocket. I think that's right, Albert Scott Crossfield. They just, they just took his last name. That simple. And the thing is, while one of the major criticisms of Discovery was just that's not 
that's not what ships looked like back then. They do kind of address this in the second season when the Enterprise crew comes aboard. And even though the Constitution class is the cream of the Federation crop at the time, because Discovery is a testbed for new technologies, the crew even remarks that, wow, this is where Starfleet puts its pennies, you see? They listened, they got it. Anyway, point to my point, we do only ever see one other Crossfield class ship in all of Star Trek, and that is technically the doomed USS Glenn, the sister ship that she goes to find. You remember that one, the things crawling around in the dark? Anyway. It's not a, not a popular class by any stretch of the imagination, but it does look nice. Number nine, Titanic Inspirations. Now, yeah, we all got excited because this was the first time we'd seen a new hero ship in a very, 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 very long time. I don't count the Abrams one. That is a reimagining of the classic. Obviously, it was probably the NX Enterprise, the last brand new hero ship we got to set our eyes on. And we were like, yeah, that's really cool. A brand new ship. But the big Star Trek fans, the bad nerds like us went, new, it's not, it's not quite new. Now, the little sneak look we got at it at the 2016 San Diego Comic-Con, yes, was very exciting, but it was an unfinished version of the model. And a lot of people looked at that and thought, hang on, I've seen this somewhere before, because they had. That ship that we saw then, and indeed the finished version of the USS Discovery itself, takes so many design cues from Ken Adams and Ralph McQuarrie's iconic reimagining of the USS Enterprise for the never-ever-got-made Star Trek Planet of the Titans. This. This was the reimagining for the USS Enterprise that was going to debut in the new series and the new films in the 1970s that ultimately never got made. But all the concept art is still kicking around. And they took so... Look at it. That just is Discovery, isn't it? Except it's got nice, long, sleek nacelles. It isn't quite as made of Duplo as that one is. There is actually a fully fleshed out script and how the whole story was going to go for that stuff. And yes, a lot of the elements did get incorporated into the motion picture eventually, but not the core premise of the story, which we might end up doing a video on, if you're interested, in the comments. Number eight, non-Trek influences. All right, there are two major things that are not Star Trek related that contributed to the design aesthetic of the USS Discovery. And I will give you all 10 seconds right now to guess what they are. Bzzzt, wrong, it's this aeroplane. Yeah, the XB-70 Valkyrie, it's got the gooseneck, it's got the A-shape. It was pretty much a large source of inspiration for how they made that ship look, along with, of course, the never-used uh, Enterprise from Planet of the Titans. And why? I don't know. I do not know, but there it is. Oh, and the second thing, what was your guess for that? Bzzzt, that's wrong as well. It was James Bond's submarine car. I'm not, I'm not, I wish I was making that up. I'm not. Number seven, an early version lives on. All right, now I could hear you all shouting through the camera when I brought it up. Yes, when they showed us that preview at Comic-Con of the new Discovery for the new show, a lot of people did notice that it wasn't, how do I put this, at all finished. It looked rubbish. I'm not being unkind there, like they hadn't finished doing it and it wasn't in the highest res and all this. And yes, we were excited for a new show and the promise of all that came with it, but it just, it kind of, like, I think I could have made that. If you'd given me a powerful enough computer and enough time, I could have probably made that animation. And I suck. It's not his fault that obviously they just hadn't finished all the ideas for it. It's just weird that they would then put an unfinished version out because they still had like over a year of tweaking the overall design left to do. And of course they did tweak the overall design. They added much nicer in the cells. They rendered it in higher quality for a start. That is not the finished version. That is an early version. And unfortunately, because they released it, it's out there. 
like a lot of the marketing materials and a lot of the packaging and a couple of the toys and a lot of the postcards, just all, all the collection stuff that came out before the show pretty much looks like this version of the ship. Now, if you cast your mind back to us doing the Enterprise E version when they hadn't settled on the design for the deflector dish and all the marketing materials went out with the wrong deflector dish, so technically makes it more rare or interesting, I don't know, Discovery is plagued, plagued by this because so much stuff went out when it looked like... Number six, another used starship. All right, now if you've watched these videos before, you will know we love to do this one because basically they don't like to waste money when they're filming Star Trek. Who would? So they tend to reuse lots of sets for lots and lots of different things. And you'll also remember, of course, that the first few episodes of Discovery are not set on Discovery. They are set on the USS Shenzhou, which is a different ship entirely. If you look at the bridge, it looks like a different ship, not entirely, but it is definitely a different ship. And also, if you look at the USS Riker's erection or whatever it was at the end of Picard, that's also a different ship. Anyway, bottom line, yeah, they're all the same set. And, yeah, even the Enterprise, which looks completely different, that is the same set. Basically, they realised they were going to have to film loads of stuff on bridges over the coming however many years, so they made it all very modular so that it would move around and you could redress it depending on what ship it was supposed to be. Now... It's not exactly a massive design secret, this. I just think it's really clever how they've managed to get four, probably five or six if you include all the little one-offs they included as well, into one set. Every, pretty much every time you look at a bridge now in Star Trek, it is just the Discovery's bridge, just with a different layout or a different thing here or there. So well done, them. Number five, engineering, sort of. Okay, so I'm not saying Star Trek is formulaic, but tends to be when you set a show on a starship, you have the same locations that you use no matter what series it is. Like, all the action takes place on the bridge. We know that. And the captain has their little room where they go and do all their little things and their arguments with people. And there's a meeting room where all the plans are come up with and all the drama happens. There's a sick bay where people go to die. There's all the quarters where people go to... And there is the engine room. We love the engine room. Except, uh... You've never seen Discovery's engine room. Nope, nope, you haven't. You no, that's, that's not the engine room. That is not the engine room. You have not seen the engine room ever. We have never been to engineering. We've seen the Enterprise's engine room on Discovery. Sort of, it was the little tie-in thing. It looked like this. And that's a fairly recognisable warp core. and looks not dissimilar from the engine rooms we know and love in Star Trek. But this, on Discovery is not the engine room. That is Stamets Lab, or it's called like Engineering Test Bay Alpha, or something like that. It is not, and I'll say it again, not the engine room. Pretty vital part of the ship, I-M-H-O. The engine room, the warp core where you go to warp. And yes, I know Discovery tends not to use warp core, just the boom stuff instead. But we're kind of moving away from that. The whole idea is that it's, it's really bad, and it's bad for Stamets, even if he's got his hand in the gloop. And I really hope nothing happens to him at the end of the season. Otherwise, this rant I'm on will seem very, very dated already. But anyway, yeah, never seen it. Never seen it. Number four, the spookiest ship in the fleet. This is a really short one. This Now, obviously, I know I've just hit the spookiest ship in the fleet, and there are about 10 scarier entries for that. The aforementioned USS Glenn, for one. My God, everybody was dead, and the lights are out. But technically, Discovery is the spookiest ship in the fleet, because do you remember how it was originally pitched as, like, a Star Trek version of American Horror Story? NCC 1031, or to put that another way, the backwards dating format that Americans use for Halloween. Ah! Number three, 1970s color palette. 
Now, full disclosure, I didn't actually notice this until the end of season two, when, you know, where she pulls up, Discovery pulls up right next to the Enterprise, and they've got that little bridge for everybody to run across. I was like, wow, Discovery's really, like, bronze, isn't she? You don't really notice until she's next to the silver grey of the Enterprise just how copper and bronze she actually is. And again, I can't believe I'm saying this, James Bond's Lotus Turbo Spirit thing car. The producers experimented with loads of different colour palettes to get the perfect feeling for it. And in the end, they wanted something that harked back to the 1970s and they went to this car and its weird colour scheme and thought, you know what, that'll work for a big starship. Don't know why, but they did. Number two, from another mother. All right, the elephant in the room of Star Trek Discovery that I have already touched upon is that it's very easy to sit there and go, hmm, this prequel series to the original Star Trek has one glaring flaw, and that's that it looks nothing like the era it's supposed to be set in. We have seen examples of the mid-23rd century, and they don't look like this. And the thing is, it's so easy to dismiss all of that as just like, as a mistake, as a goof, as a gaffe, as the producers being so intent on making something that looked really nice that they strayed away from the franchise's origins and did not care what nerd like me or you would think about that but the truth is not quite that they are very aware of what they're doing and they have reasons that they've done it that way the reasoning is and i hope you're sitting down for this the discovery was produced at a completely different shipyard to all the other ships in the fleet the enterprise has nice round nacelles they would become the standard we would get used to in this time frame but no discovery does not because somebody else designed it and somebody else built it and they were experimenting with new forms of propulsion technology not just the bloop, 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 spore drive thing Everything, everything was an experiment, everything was a test, everything was new, and everything was different, intentionally. Now, you might not believe that, and I might not believe that. My theory is just that they designed a really cool-looking starship and went, who cares? It's just a bit of television, but that is the reason they have given, and thus, it is canon. Number one, my god, that's a big ship. Ah yes, another favourite of ours here on the series, inconsistent facts regarding the size of a ship in Star Trek. You love this record, we play it all the time. Alright, so first and foremost, the actual size of the USS Discovery has never been discussed on screen, thus there is no official thing we have for its size, but there have been several bits of supporting materials that have gone along with the show that state it is a whopping 750 metres long. That is far. That is, for reference, about twice the length of the original USS Enterprise. That is about 70 meters longer than the Enterprise E. That is absurd. And yeah, the really funny thing about this, my favorite part of this, in fact, is that the show has specifically stated that there are 136 crew members aboard. And just for reference, the Enterprise D, which is smaller than Discovery, has over a thousand people on board. And we've literally done a video about how you could live on that ship and conceivably never bump into another member of the crew. So this is wrong. Now, in fairness, there is one or two theories about this and one or two explanations of it. First of all, yes, the cells account for, like, absolutely loads of that. They are incredibly long and extend way beyond the deck of the ship itself. But the one given on screen, the most interesting one, is by Saru, who says that Discovery is outfitted for over 300 specific, discrete, scientific missions, which kind of leads to the idea that, you know, Stamets Lab, there's like 300 different versions of that room, all for different things, it's just they haven't needed to use 
any of them yet. Discovery has almost limitless breakout potential depending on what mission it's needed for, but so far all we've seen is it jumping around the Klingon war and chasing after a red beacon and then jumping into the future and everybody wearing the long wrong uniforms. So there you go. Hope we picked up on that, by the way. I'm so busy thinking about how long the ship was. I said long instead of wrong and just only managed to put it. You know, people think this is an easy job. It's it, it really is. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.